Welcome to the Stock Music Licensing Podcast, the number one resource for creating passive income selling stock music online. I'm your host, Daniel Carrizales, and I'm here to help you monetize your compositions. All right, welcome to episode 11 of the Stock Music Licensing Podcast. I'm very happy that you're here. Thank you very much for tuning in. Today we have a very special show. We're going to be talking about the myth of the starving musician. Now, if you have heard this uh, term before, probably you have heard something similar, the myth of the starving or the starving artist, I should say. And it's, uh, this is something that I want to really bust <laughs> this uh, myth of the artist. Or, or in this case, the musician, because uh, we're, uh, if you're listening to this podcast, most likely you are a musician yourself and, uh, or a producer or a composer. And, uh, but before I get into the content of this episode, I want to let you know that I have a free music licensing workshop and you can go and watch that workshop. It's around 45 minutes of uh, music licensing uh, tips and pretty much just three simple steps that you can follow in order for you to start earning uh, anything between $500 and $1,000 per month uh, licensing your music. And uh, you can go and see that workshop, which is being launched this week at stockmusiclicensing.com slash free workshop. Uh, I'll leave it in the show notes anyways, that link, so you can go and uh, check it out. And in that workshop, I pretty much just break down the three simple steps and strategies to have in order to start earning money from your music. And uh, this is something that I'm very, very passionate about. If you have been following me on YouTube uh, or even here on this podcast, you know that I talk a lot about music licensing uh, and it's specifically royalty-free libraries. You know that I focus a lot on on actually making some pragmatical uh, moves or action steps in order for you to start uh, earning some money with your music. And, and again, the topic of this episode today is very close to my heart because uh, I used to think differently back in the day, a few years ago. I used to think, like, like many other artists or musicians, that... Um, I'm just concerned about making art. I'm just concerned about making music. I'm, I'm only concerned about creating uh, a very good sounding recording. I'm not really concerned about the marketplace. Uh, I believe that making money is a different aspect uh, of life. And it's not necessarily something that is uh, associated or relatable to, to making music. So... Uh, this is this is a very big mistake, and uh, this is a very big mistake as an artist and as a musician, because I do believe that uh, us as musicians, as an artist, we need to be educated when it comes down to actually making uh, money with our music in this case. Okay, because n- nobody benefits when you don't make any any money when you you release an album, for example, and nobody buys it or very little people buy that album. Let's say that you have a project and you have a band and you release an album on Spotify and you get no streamings or nobody listens to it and you make no money. Nobody benefits from this, okay? Or if you're a writer, you write books, for example, and you publish a book and nobody buys the book, you want your book to be a bestseller. You want your your book to be in you know, as, as you want it to be as big as possible if you're an actor I'm, I'm sure it's the same thing you want to make sure that you get the big uh, roles you want to make sure that you get uh, 
I don't know, maybe if you're an actor that you want to do movies, I'm sure you want to be uh, as big as possible and, and really not only to to expand your career as an actor, but as well that you can actually enjoy the benefits of a financial gain because you're doing it with your art as well without the need of having a day job or, or whatnot. So um, with musicians, it's the same thing. And uh, I can only speak from experience because a, a few years ago uh, or... Uh, since I was a, a young musician, I, I've been involved with music since I was 13 years old when I first started playing the guitar. And I've been so lucky, so fortunate to actually always be around music. And uh, even back then in high school, when I started doing my guitar lessons, I very quickly uh, advanced and really quickly learned. And I started teaching on the side and I can so I can earn some money, okay? And I will do this uh, always on the side. Nothing. I wasn't thinking as a business kind of opportunity of teaching guitar lessons and uh, really earn some money from there. But I, I did that always from a, from a very early age. The only thing that I was, I was lacking was uh, the focus and the the real intention behind it. I just do it like, okay, let me just get some quick cash and and that will be the end of it. I wasn't really promoting it. I wasn't really putting ads around like in the school or or the local newspaper, you know, which I could have and maybe be really, really busy when it comes down to, to teaching the guitar, but I didn't. And after, after high school, I went to study sound engineering uh, and, and I was very fortunate to get a job in a recording studio. It was a recording studio, but at the same time, it had a, a few spaces for, for rehearse. And so, so bands will go and rehearse. And that's the way as well that we kept, uh, well, the recording studio will keep a lot of uh, uh, cash flow because uh, bands need to rehearse in a space, you know, because of how loud a band can sound. So I got that job before I graduated from from university. So I was very fortunate and uh and, and I got a real life experience when it comes down to to the business because it was uh, it's almost like a family owned business that studio, and, and uh, obviously they have to make money in order to not only pay the bills and and pay the wages but pay me as well. And I was a uh, I was fresh not out of the university but still having graduated. But uh, I quickly learned that okay bands need to play for for rehearse time. In this case, it was in uh, slots of uh, two hours. And uh, you will always see bands, uh, you know, struggling to, to pay this time because uh, they, whenever they will have a gig or a tour, it, it will, they will need to rehearse quite a lot. And I was in a band myself as well uh, and rehearsing in that same studio. So I, I know I knew the pain. And even if I did get some friendly price because I was an employee, it's still a substantial amount of money. And when it comes down to the recording, it's the same thing. Uh, so, so there's a lot of money involvement when it comes down as a, to be to be an artist, to be actively uh, engaged in your in your art. You need to have some cash flow in order to pay for rehearse uh, space, in order for, to pay for recording at time as well. Nowadays, obviously, you can do this at home. Uh, if you have enough space, uh, you can probably as well rehearse at home. If you have a, a proper room or a garage or something that is acoustically treated or whatever, and you can definitely do some recordings nowadays with a laptop and a set of headphones. So, but you still need to invest money on equipment. You still need to invest money on uh, hard drive softwares and whatnot. It's very affordable, but it still needs to come from somewhere. 
Uh, I, I have always been very fortunate to work around the music business. After that job, uh, but back then I wasn't really thinking as a business. I wasn't thinking as a musician in terms of like how can I make more money. Even though my day job is working in a recording studio, I'm not thinking about maybe having my my compositions because the main goal of uh, of me working in a recording studio is that I will have access to the equipment because back then in the day I didn't have really access to computers. Uh, that, that's this is in the mid uh, '90s. So, so computer recording was not not a thing yet. So, so affordable for us back then, and uh, we were recording a different medium in that studio. We we're recording on a dat and uh, just eight tracks kind of thing, and you will have to slave it to another equipment as well, so you can get uh, probably sixteen channels at the same time. So it's really old fashioned, uh, kind of like recording techniques back then that I learned. And um, the, the, the main reason is that I wanted to work there is uh, not only because I'm studying to go to, to get a job as a sound engineer, but at the same time, I wanted to have access to the studio. I wanted to be able to have access to the equipment so I can start recording my own demos. I have already done a few demos with my band at the time, but I'm more as a musician, and I always wanted to be the guy who, who could do everything. I wanted to be the guy who can play the guitar. I wanted to be the guy who can actually record the music. I wanted to be the guy who can actually mix it, master, and just you know collaborate with other musicians. But at the same time, I wanted to, to do what I'm doing today, which is pretty much just working um, on my own, working on, on recording my own music. I really, that's, that's where I really, I am happy. That's my happy place, okay? So, but back then I was doing some, some projects. I was doing some, some session work with other artists, which were friends of mine, and I will do it uh, over time. I will do it meaning that the, the studio will close around 11 o'clock. You know, when you work in a recording studio, usually they stay uh, open for, for long periods of time. So, this particular recording studio will close around 11 or at midnight, depending on uh, what sessions we will have. And after that, after hours, I will stay there and I will actually uh, let uh, a few clients slash friends uh, come in and record their demos. And I will uh, be the producer or the engineer. And, uh, and I, w- I, w- I really w- was doing this free of charge, believe it or not, back then, because they were friends and I was a little bit of shame of uh, charging. And I was only uh, asking for... For, for credits, really, like, okay, my name to appear in the album or whatnot, or, or and it's just a very bad idea because at the end of the day, I'm doing this uh, on my own time, in time where I should be actually sleeping, and I will stay uh, very late at night in the studio, uh, and really what I was selling as well was my time, time that I don't get back. It's not so much the activity that I'm doing, but it's the time that, I, that is really valuable, and I should be compensated by that. So, so that's something that it came, um, obviously, years later, I realized that what I was doing was really bad because one thing is to do work for free, and another thing is to do uh, work that you can actually charge for it, and, uh, and it's perfectly understandable that this is your time, is a place where, where you are actually working, and uh, even if it's a friendly price, you still need to charge for that because it is a business at the end of the day. So I had a very hard time back then to to separate the two. I, I didn't know how to approach it. And, it, and to be quite honest, I wasn't even thinking about it. And it's not about me making profit out of a friend who wants to record um, music after hours. It's about me learning how to deal with my own skills and my own uh, 
abilities that I have and actually to put in the marketplace. And, and at that time, I was more of a sound engineer than, than a musician. So I should have uh, really practiced that side of the business because I'm already working in the studio as an employee. And uh, there are, they're, they're really allowing me to do uh, a lot of things and to the point that, that I have a lot of freedom to record my own demos in my spare time. I can bring in some different projects and, and, and really charge whatever I feel like. It, they will pretty much left it up, up to me to do whatever I want to do. Okay, so but at the end of the day, I was using electricity. I was using the facilities, air conditioning. So it, it all comes down to there's stuff that needs to be paid. So if I'm not getting paid for that, that means that the business is is really still operating, but nobody's paying for the electricity. Nobody's paying for for the time that I'm being there working, and not to mention the next day that I'm when I wake up in the next morning or. I didn't wake up because I didn't go to sleep. Uh, I just wasted pretty much my whole evening as well. There's no financial compensation either. And uh, and then this client slash friend will want to do the same thing for free again and again and again. So there was a lot to learn. I, I really needed to learn a lot uh, back then. And uh, I was young. I was in my 20s or whatever. Not really thinking as a business uh, person uh, or as a musician that wants to be... Uh, compensated for his art and for his work. And, uh, you know, wherever I was doing gigs with my band at the time, it would be the same thing. I didn't want to deal with uh, how much we were getting paid. I would leave somebody else uh, deal with it, a manager or whatever, and not really looking and reading in between the lines and say, how much can we really get paid from these gigs, you know? And I want to be compensated for 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 our time that we're going to be playing in this uh, uh, venue, I didn't want to actually really actively say, I don't want to know anything about it. I just want to play. I just want to be actively playing in a gig, just find the gigs and whatever we make. It was really like almost breaking even as you do and uh, and not really thinking as a business, which is a terrible mistake. You know, I'm not saying that somebody was ripping me off. I'm just saying that we weren't really or at least I was not really uh, educating myself. In, in ways that I can actually be making money, not only with my day job in the in the recording studio, but on the side, there was plenty of opportunities for me to even make probably more money and at least build um, a body of work that I can use that in the future to whenever I wanted to venture solo or actually to show showcase my my work outside of my day job. In this case, the working studio. Uh, day job and the same with the band you know like really uh, get involved in in uh, okay I want to get paid from from this gig and uh, maybe say no to other gigs that you feel that you're not really getting compensated so that's my background back then okay fast forward to when I moved to London I was working in the retail industry in the guitar shops in uh, central London on Denmark Street and I was working again for a family business I really, really learned a lot about the retail world of instruments, of guitar, basses, amps, pedals, uh, recording equipment, and everything that goes around that, and learned a lot to deal with a lot of uh, musicians and composers as well. I met people there. I met famous people as well, just because it's central London, really. And, you know, and, and But you do a lot of connections, and you see different faces and different... Uh, um, different, how can I say that, people with different backgrounds and people are doing different things. And uh, one minute you can see somebody famous and the next minute you see somebody that is literally a busker and has nothing but they're buying just a single string. 
And I was always like the same mentality back then in London as well. I just want to have a day job. At least it's involved, uh, I'm involved in the music business somehow. Even if it's retail, still I'm selling guitars. And I'm not really looking for ways of, uh, of earning an, an extra income on the side with my skill, which is my skill is not just to sell the instrument. I know how to play the guitar which you, you have to know how to play the guitar if you want to work in a guitar shop. You know, usually it's guitar players that, you know, they, they, they work in guitar shops. Uh, you have a band and you have other activities. I didn't have that. I just had my day job and that's it. You know, I was just buying equipment for cheap. And I was accumulating a lot of gear and uh, really building my home studio back then when I was in London. Uh, that was another mistake, you know, even though I had a lot around me to learn from, from this business, which it, it, again, is a family business. And the reason why I say it's a family business is because they, it, it wasn't a corporate kind of job where you have to follow certain rules. It's not a, like a franchise. Okay. So yes, they have their own uh, rules and they have their own, um, ways of running the family business, but it all comes down to the same thing. You know, you're selling an instrument and you want to make a profit and you, you, so you're providing a, a, a service or you're providing, well, when I say a service is because we had different things. We have a, a guitar tech that they will um, the service the instruments and repair them and, and all of this. And uh, we as a salesperson, we were there as well uh, assisting really the customer and say, hey, this guitar value is this and it's made out of this wood and it comes from this con from this country and it's this series it's, it's, or it's a second hand and it's a vintage guitar and whatnot, you know. So really it all comes down to people skills that uh, – you, you you have them or you don't have them or you could be trained. But my point is that as a musician, as an artist, I wasn't really uh, thinking for other ways of making uh, something on the side, something that I can build with my own skills because I was I have I have more skills than just that. I knew how to record, I knew how to to make music uh, from from my laptop or from an A track that I had back then. I knew how to play the guitar, so I can probably start doing guitar lessons, which I did. I did a few guitar lessons in, back in London after my work, but again, nothing serious, you know. And here I am in a guitar shop, and I could actually be uh, having my own cards, okay, with my name there by the tail. I could have done that uh, and said guitar lessons, you know, private guitar lessons with my phone number, and uh, and I didn't. I just it was just like word of mouth. I just met somebody at the shop, and they wanted me to to teach them how to play the guitar, and I will go after after my work and I would just show up and, you know, get paid and then go home, you know, but a very quick cash, no business uh, mentality whatsoever, which was a terrible mistake because even back then I had a friend or a client really, I should say, that he was really serious about it and he was like proper, he will have an ad on the local newspaper, he will go around guitar shops actually and leave his card and they will leave like, you know, like a flyer all over the place with his phone number. And, and he was doing some some decent money, really, on the side, just doing guitar lessons. Uh, I couldn't see that back then. I was still very naive. And I'm still thinking that I just want to get back home and record my demos and my music, which <laughs> they serve no purpose to nobody, just me listening to them. I wasn't even putting them online yet. And uh, and it was just me, my, my wife, listening to the demos, and that's it. I had no direction whatsoever, which is a really bad place to be because I was just really comfortable in my day job. And I said, like, okay, I'm, at least I got away with it again. I'm working in the music uh, industry somehow, you know, uh, selling instruments. And that's it. I don't need really to pursue anything else on the side, which is a horrible mistake. 
And I remember even back then somebody asking my my wife, uh, well, Daniel has all of these guitars and has this uh, amazing studio set up in the house. What What is he doing? You know, like where can I listen to his work or, or something that he's doing? Well, what is it, you know? And she said, well, nothing really. He's just working on some demos. And But it ha- I had no direction. I had nothing to show for. And that really hurt my, my feelings because I, it was true. I had so much time. I had so many, so much gear. I had all the guitars, the computers, everything. But I didn't even have like a SoundCloud page or anything. And I still remember when SoundCloud just uh, was launched. And I'm like, oh, that seems like a nice thing. But because I had no direction, I didn't even open an account when it, when it was launched. I never really put any music there because I was always like, oh, I can make this uh, mix better. I'm always uh, trying to perfect it. And, you know, and even though I wasn't going to monetize anything with uh, SoundCloud, it's still a way of uh, building a portfolio and, and have a body of work and really do something with that music uh, later on. I wasn't playing in a band or making any money like that. I was just doing the guitar lessons, which I quite, quite frankly, didn't want to do. And uh, because it's just time for, it's my time, you know, I had to travel uh, and I had to do a lot of uh, traveling really inside London. And London is really big. So but by the time I get to a place, give the guitar lesson in their home and then get out, you know, I will, it's just it's not worth it really. I like to work from home, but still I'm not pursuing my dream of making money with what I'm really passionate about. So I guess it all comes down to the first myth of a, of a starving musician, which is making money from your music is a bad thing, you know? Subconsciously, I think I've, I really believed that for many, many years, and uh, I just felt like I always I can always have like a day job and not really pursue... Uh, music uh, and uh, as a way of uh, earning the money, uh, either by me recording a few demos and actually selling. Back then, I could have sold my my CDs for for anything really, just have them somewhere, uh, or put them on my website or on SoundCloud just for people to to stream it and maybe uh, go somewhere, you know. But, but I wasn't thinking like that. So I think it has to do with a lot of. Uh, as a as an artist or as a musician, really thinking that I, there's no way I can make m- money with my music because I don't want I don't want the both uh, to be um, together. So somehow for me, the starving artist, uh, meaning that barely making ends meet and I'm just making art for myself or just making art for for the sake of doing it, is good enough. I don't really care about making profit out of it. That's that's a terrible mistake, uh, you know. Uh, when I came across royalty-free libraries, uh, I realized that uh, I had a, a skill to do this, and I, I had to learn some some other things, obviously, to really make uh, appealing music, do commercial music, and do it with that intention of actually making money from my music. So I really had to address a lot of issues concerning money and say, you know what? Um, well, first of all, I really had a need for for cash, so... Uh, I really wanted to, I had no choice to be quite honest. It's not something that I had a day job and I said like, oh, let me just go and uh, try out to sell my music on royalty-free libraries and see what happens. I wish that was the case. So if you have a day job and you're doing this on the side, you're in such a wonderful position. There is no pressure. You can just start building this on the side. And uh, But when I got started, I was just completely uh, unemployed, broke, below broke. Stay at home, Dad. I've told my story many times before. Uh, my wife, the main breadwinner of the family, I'm here in a foreign country, not able to work. And uh, at this point, I have already pretty much taken the decision that I'm going to stay uh, back home 
uh, with a kid, with my first daughter, taking care of her, and uh, and that's it, you know. And I'm not bringing any money. It's the very first time I was not earning any money with no day job, nothing. And the only thing I had left was my skills, which is record music and play the guitar. Again, I went back to the same uh, uh, survival mode. I forgot giving guitar lessons here in my hometown where I live here in Greece. Uh, it's a small uh, hometown, uh, and there's only so many students. You know, I had like one, and, uh, and that was it. That was not enough to even buy a pizza. And I was doing some production work with some singers as well, two singers, two female singers that they will come into my studio. At that time, I was living in a different flat, a different... We had like a bigger room, actually, so I can bring in people and record and do my guitar lessons. Uh, but that didn't bring a lot of money either. It's not something that I can sustain, really. So when I got, uh, but but it was a start because it, that's, uh, that that came from necessity, and I said I really need to step up. This is the only thing I know how to do well, and uh, I'm gonna have to start marketing myself as, as somebody that knows how to record, how to play the guitar. But but that's not it. I want to really work uh, on my own terms, and I really want to make music. I really want to be creative, and uh, I'm willing to to learn, and I'm willing to to really sacrifice other things, but. Uh, I'm willing to take the chance, and I know about music licensing, but I, I don't want to wait so long. I don't want to wait for to apply for a library and get a placement and wait uh, God knows for how long before I see some money from there, you know? Because that's the way it works with music licensing. I need something quicker. I need something faster. I need something easier. And royalty-free libraries gave me that when I found out about uh, Pawn 5 or Lockstock or an Audio Jungle. Um, it was just like, okay, so what? You're telling me that I can actually upload my music there, build my catalog, and in the meantime, I can start getting sales and get paid the next month, whatever money I made the previous month. That's fantastic. I don't have to wait for a placement on some TV show. I don't have to wait for some royalties that are going to come from my PROs in uh, every quarter. I don't have to wait for a sync fee okay, from a library as well that I have to join somewhere at some point. I don't have to contact a music supervisor or anything. I can just upload my music today, start working on that, building my portfolio, and really wear a different hat. So I started doing that out of a necessity, really. And, uh, and that's why I'm so passionate today about teaching this thing to, other, this, uh, to others, about teaching that there's an easier way to get started in music licensing. And that, that the easiest way is to pretty much start uploading your music on royalty-free libraries like Pawn 5 and Audio Jungle. And, and the likes, you know. And I have a list of all of these libraries where I license my music. Uh, in my guide, you can download that guide if you haven't done that yet. I have a guide where I pretty much have a list that I always update as I join a new libraries. You can go to stockmusiclicensing.com slash free and you can download that guide. I'll leave that link anyways in the show notes in the description so you can download it and check all the libraries there. So anyway, so this is the fastest way to start making money and I really... Uh, got excited, but at the same time, I was like, okay, I have nothing to lose. I have no income, really. I'm staying here with a kid at home, so I really need to start composing commercial music and really got rid of that idea that making music or that making money from my music is a bad thing. It doesn't get any more real than this. I'm literally com composing commercial music to make money. And uh, I, I don't feel like I have to do something cheesy or that I do I have to cheat myself and thinking that I'm doing something... Uh, that I'm not proud of, I actually felt like I took it as a challenge 
because I had like a deadline. Before I didn't have a deadline to make music. I, it was just an open page where I can just go back and retouch again and again and again. Nobody's really waiting for my music to be released. Nobody's waiting for my music to actually be heard, let alone to for somebody to buy it. So when I when I came across these libraries and I said, can I do this? Can I start making money with my music? Um, and that those were the very first questions. And I, I really had to get rid of that idea that of making money from my music was a bad thing. And I actually reversed that and said, what if I start making money with a main purpose of making a, an income with that? And at this point, I don't have an income. So anything that I sell, it will be a massive victory. Okay. And obviously, there's a lot of challenges that I had to to come across or that I had to face uh, joining these libraries, uh, like rejections or no sales. In the beginning, I, it took me a whole year to make my first sale. That was the very first uh, myth that I had to to really bust in my head. That what if I reverse this and actually take this very seriously and say I actually do this as my day job. Actually, for the very first time, my day job is to do exactly what I was meant to be doing, which is composing music, recording music in my home studio without leaving the house, taking care of the kids, and actually making it for profit and say I have, I'm building my catalog, I'm building a body of work, I'm getting better, and I'm getting paid. Okay, and slowly but surely, every sale, every composition makes me uh, get some small wins. I'm feeling better about myself. I'm getting some money in my bank account, and and it becomes a lifestyle. So so that was for me uh, a dream come true, and it is still a dream come true. But I had to go the dark way. I had to go the way where people need to suffer, like like myself. You know, I could have done that years ago. I could have done this when I was in London. You know. I could have like uh, done my research and say, hey, I came across this website and I can actually start uploading my music there and do this on the side and build my catalog. But I didn't because I wasn't thinking like that. I was thinking that, okay, I don't really want, I don't want to have anything to do with uh, art and commerce, you know, which nowadays is the, is the principle of my whole business, okay, art and commerce, which is making music and selling it or selling a license to somebody. And that's how I live. So that's myth number one, okay? Myth number two is that artists or musicians shouldn't care about the market. And this is a mistake or, or that musicians shouldn't care about business in general. And the, all of these myths are really together. They, you can't really separate them. But I really encourage musicians to really do a research. And regardless of the genre, the style that you compose or you write music, you need to make music that is appealing, music that is going to be used somewhere. And you have to write and compose with that intention and say, I'm going to do music that is going to be used in different projects. I want to be of service to others. I want to be of service to somebody else's project. Okay, and you really have to leave your ego at the door or leave it somewhere else and say, "This is I'm not promoting my music here, actually. I'm actually going to be serving somebody else's project, and this is going to help another person's uh, presentation or film or video or slideshow uh, make it better. Okay, so that's the main purpose of this composition. So, but you need to do your, your research in terms of marketing, of, of what's out there, what commercial music really is. Uh, what corporate music is, what a slideshow is, and what video editors are looking for. And uh, if you want to sell and you want to really be proactive, you need to do a lot of that. And really be passionate about it. Not doing it for, for the sake of like, well, I just want to get some quick cash. Really give you uh, the... the, the, the uh, to really study it and really take pride in it, okay? 
I mean, I, I've heard um, an interview of the famous uh, film composer uh, John Powell, English composer. He has done um, many films. I can't remember now, but the music for many films. And he was, uh, he, I think he was really learning uh, under the wings of uh, Hans Zimmer. And I think he has done, I don't know, film that comes to my head right now is uh, How to Train Your Dragon or something like that. There's many, many others. But in this interview, he said that he started doing music for film uh, because he needed to pay the bills, you know. And really, and he said something else, obviously within his English uh, humor. He said there's a fantastic interview somewhere online. I can't remember where I heard it, but it really st stuck a chord with me. Like the guy, he's a famous film composer, and he's saying right now that when he first got started, it's just because he needed to pay the bills, you know. And I really appreciate that honesty. Like, I just wanted to make some music for films just to pay, you know, just to get by. And uh, I can identify with that kind of uh, philosophy because I, think, I do believe it's about philosophy as well. That uh, Because before I didn't have any direction, any, any purpose. I didn't have a deadline. I didn't have bills to pay. I just felt like, oh, my God, my bills have, are covered because I have a day job or... But when I got completely unemployed and I was really down in a dark place financially and spiritually and uh, and really like, okay, here I am, a man, a grown-up man with different skills. I, I speak different language. I'm learning to speak the language here where I live. I, the, uh, I speak Greek, but in, in, today I speak very well Greek to, to go into the workforce. But at this point, I choose to stay at home and, and work from home. But when I found out about royalty-free libraries, I really said, I really want to study this marketplace. I really want to know about it. And I really want to become good at it and make this my day job, actually. Make this what I what I want to do. And, and yes, even if it's that, it comes down to that, why am I doing it? Because I need to pay the bills. That's how I started. And uh, I, I am passionate about my music, of course. I'm very passionate about my compositions. But back then, I didn't know how to make happy music, actually. Uh, I came from a very rock and roll uh, background and very dark to a point as well, meaning that it wasn't happy, upbeat music. So I had to learn to compose in a, in a much lighter uh, key, I guess, in a, in a much... Uh, engaging in much more happy kind of vibes, really, for music, which it was, I realized that it was not that easy, isn't that hard, actually. It was really easy for me to, instead of composing in a minor key, I just have to compose in a major key and really go for it and really go for something happy. That is the simple, and I had a direction. Finally, I got some focus, and finally I had a direction, and I had a deadline as well. I created these artificial deadlines that, okay, uh, I need to rise, really. I need to have no income, so I need to start getting paid, really. So as soon as I started to make money with my music on royalty-free libraries, the next challenge was to keep it up and to really sustain that. And that was, I created my deadlines in terms of uh, not only the money that I needed to get paid, but at the same time, uh, how much music I need to be putting out. Because back then, it will take me a long time to finish one song. So I said, okay, I need to work faster. It, it, there's no way I'm going to progress if it takes me a whole month to finish one track. You know, I need to do, be doing a track at least every week. And, and eventually, I reduced that to a track a day. And, and I have a YouTube video where I talk about this, uh, how I, I, I can compose a track uh, one day. You know, one, one track a day keeps failure away. That was my, my YouTube uh, video kind of like a tutorial. Uh, not tutorial, well, it was a tutorial, but it was uh, the title. One track a day keeps failure away. It's a way of me really composing a, a track in under four to six hours from, from start to finish and just 
which is which is doable in music licensing. This is not something unheard of, actually, especially when you're working for for specs or for somebody that is actually calling you and say, "Hey, I need this track by in the next four hours, and it needs to be this." That's the or custom work, I should say. So uh, I, I put myself limitations, and I put myself deadlines, which is like compose as much as possible and really put it out there. And once I started earning a, a paycheck, the next question was, can I, can I keep this up? Can I, can I sustain this? You know, how can I do this? How can I, you know, by that time, I really have developed, a, I have built momentum, enough momentum for me to be composing at a very uh, efficient way, very fast and very quick. And at the same time, I was feeling I was very good about my, my output uh, musically. And obviously that translated as well in, in financial rewards uh, in royalty-free libraries. And um, to the point that I, I was sharing this with others uh, on my YouTube channel as well, as I grew as well as a composer. So uh, to go to the third myth is that you have to starve in order to be a good artist. And, and this is so close to my heart. I used to think like, oh, if I, if I really are having a bad time as an artist financially, but I still have my art, it, 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 that's okay because at least I'm not a, a sellout. It, that's a, such a wrong thing to think as an artist, especially if you're growing up, you know, and you have res responsibilities. And uh, we have responsibilities, so I really take my art and my music to this uh, day uh, really, really serious. And I do treat it like a business. I do really, and I'm very passionate about it. I'm very passionate about um, selling my music and really treating it like that, like, okay, how, how much more sales can I get from this piece of track? And, uh, and, and I don't feel ashamed about it. And I want to teach others that if you do have some issues when it comes down to money issues and being an artist or selling your music for profit, how can I help you address that and say, hey, actually, it's a good thing. Uh, actually, if you sell your music on royalty-free libraries, if you start building your portfolio, it can give you a focus, if, if that makes any sense. Because at the end of the day, I want to be creative and I'm going to be making music regardless. I might as well just really make something big out of this, okay? And I want to do this. I want to do my little bit for, for helping others to actually get their music on royalty-free libraries and really start composing, really start building your portfolio, really start building your catalog and start getting some money, start getting some sales, getting some small wins, you know? Even if it's $50 here and there, eventually that will grow. If you're committed and you do it on the side, you can very, very, very easily start earning a side income. And I want to really spread the word and, and really tell others that there is a way you can do this. So this is it, really. I don't. I, I really want to talk more about this because when it comes down to mindset and uh, as a musician, producer, composer, or as an artist in general, I'm really passionate about this aspect of actually making money uh, with art and with your music. And Royalty Free Library has changed my life completely. And I have met so many other people doing it as well. And uh, music licensing in general, I know that this is something that is here to stay. It's not something that is dying out or something that uh, this is only the beginning. And uh, the easiest way for somebody starting out is to actually uh, join a royalty-free libraries like Pond5, Holy Jungle, and the likes. And I'm really, really uh, on a mission to to really uh, crush that that, miss, that uh, myth of the starving artist. I really want to help people to, even if you have a day job, okay, and 
you to really take ownership of your music and say, I'm earning some money on the side with this. You know, I'm really proud of it. And, and that's, that's, to me, means the world. When I get messages from my students say that I just made my first sale or I'm making some sales here, I, got, I joined a new library, I'm really, uh, I, I feel that excitement because they can see the possibilities, they can see the opportunity of actually growth uh, as a composer and they're getting paid as they're getting better, which is a fantastic thing to, to have as a, as a musician, to actually to be able to compose something, get really good at it and start selling it. And as you're getting better, you're, you're making some money and you can reinvest that money on either buying a new laptop paying some bills. So anyways, I hope you have enjoyed this episode. Thanks a lot for listening. Thanks a lot for, for all the comments. Thanks a lot for, for reaching out. Uh, leave a review. Share this podcast with somebody that might benefit from this kind of information. If you like this uh, episode, please uh, send me a message. Say, hey, well done. Uh, leave a review wherever you listen to this podcast. Uh, again, don't forget to go and check the workshop. Put a lot of love <laughs> in creating that workshop for you. So you can go again to check that workshop at stockmusiclicensing.com slash free workshop. And uh, I hope you enjoy that workshop. As always, thanks a lot for being here. Thanks a lot for hanging out with me. And uh, as always, rock and roll. And here's to your success. Mm-hmm.